When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hi there, good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 29th of September. I'm Adam Leventhal. And today... We preview the game of the weekend, redesigned Tottenham and Liverpool going head-to-head. You can see the belief in the team, you can see the momentum they've got and you can see that they're enjoying themselves. This is Liverpool 2.0, now it does feel that way. In Spain, we focus on Barcelona and surprise package Girona. They've gone kind of from that peak of we're going to win the Champions League down to we're in trouble again. And it's a big day for gamers. It's uh, the first time in 30-year history really that EA's title isn't carrying the FIFA branding. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. Before we look ahead, let's keep you in the loop with what's happening in Syria and La Liga with a roundup of Thursday's results. Abby Patterson, take it away. Thanks, Adam. We start in Italy where Jose Mourinho's Roma continued their terrible start to the season, losing 4-1 away to Genoa. They've only had one victory this season, have Roma, and they find themselves languishing in 16th, just two points clear of the drop. What's that third season syndrome and Jose Mourinho thing? Oh yeah. In La Liga, it was a 2-0 win for Atletico Madrid away to Osasuna, but it was not without its controversy as Yagoba Arasate, Osasuna's head coach, was shown a red card after his team were denied a goal thanks to VAR. And then less than 10 minutes later, tempers flared once more, leading to both sides having a man sent off after a tussle in the corner. The result puts Atleti to fifth. Abby, thank you very much. More La Liga to come later on. But let's focus now on the big game in the Premier League this weekend. Yes, Manchester City are top and 100% so far with six wins from six. But their closest challengers are Liverpool once again. This Saturday at 5.30, they're at fourth place Tottenham, another team under Ange Postacoglu who've had a summer reset. It's a game that certainly delivered last season. Son flicks it in. Well, the Liverpool angle to come with Kiva O'Neill, but let's start with Tottenham. Tim Spears, who combines hosting this pod on Monday and Tuesday with covering Spurs, joins us now. Tim, great to have you on board. So how different are things looking this time around compared to last season? I mean, certainly compared to last season, they couldn't be any more different, really. Under Antonio Conte, they were, they were quite a negative team. They could be quite a dull team. Safety first, clean sheets, not even trying to score in the first half at times. That was a sort of a genuine tactic, which is hard to believe now looking back. And I think for the players too, they found it very different. You know, it was quite uh, regimented, lots of meetings, lots of, you will play this game to the letter of my instructions. You know, that was Conte's way. And there's a tendency to paint everything under Conte's bad and 
everything under protocol is good. It's pretty infectious throughout the whole club. You can feel it in the stands. You can watch the players enjoying the football. And yeah, they're really sort of going with it at the moment. You can see the belief in the team. You can see the momentum they've got and you can see that they're enjoying themselves. How impressed have you been with what Postacoglu has actually done in such a short space of time? Yeah, I think I think he's found a group of players willing to try something new, which helped because things didn't go well last season. You know, Spurs had a terrible season and finished eighth, so they were they were receptive to new ideas, which definitely helps. I think he himself is grateful for the opportunity and keen to make the most of it. And he sees this as the sort of high point of his career. He's got the intelligence and the tactical nerves and the man management to back all that up. So I'd be very impressed with him. I feel like he's exactly what they needed. I feel like in the wake of selling Harry Kane, lots of managers might have kicked off about that, but he's been very sort of, you know, well, what can you do about it, mate, kind of thing, as he would say. And excellent with the media and a really good face for the club and this and this new era. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more to come from him and a lot more to come from Spurs, which is a pretty exciting prospect for them. And they're fourth now. How far can they go? When it comes to predicting where they're going to finish this season, I don't think you can underestimate how far that belief takes them and how far Postacoglu, who's a winning football manager, could take them. His track record is phenomenal. I don't care what countries it's been in. It's phenomenal. So I think when you combine that with rivals for the top sort of four or five spots suffering, you know, they're already nine points ahead of Chelsea. Man United have got very obvious deficiencies, which not necessarily lend themselves to quick fixes. And then I think when you look at teams like Brighton and Villa and Newcastle have got Europe to contend with this season and Spurs don't have Europe to contend with. They're also at the Carabao Cup. So the biggest issue for me for Spurs is their squad depth. But that might be negated by the fact that they do not have many matches to play this season. So Hurston's sort of put a prediction on it now, but I think I said sixth for Spurs at the start of the season. I would certainly be saying higher than that now, which would equal Champions League football. So it's all, I think it's already looking like it could be a successful season. Tim, thank you. Let's get the Liverpool angle from Kiva. So what are the key features of this Liverpool 2.0 rebrand that everyone's been talking about then? A new midfield. It feels like after last season and the departures of so many key players, particularly midfielders, James Milner, Jordan Henderson, you know, Liverpool lost the captain, vice-captain, then experienced players like Fabinho. The midfield was always the question last season and then coming into this season, they've somehow fixed that problem and brought in some really exciting players. Dominic Sobersly being among them, age 22, and has absolutely taken Liverpool by storm in his early appearances at the club. He had to make 10, I think he's made 8 and he's already, you know, the number 8 that is now a real fan favourite. Alexis McAllister, you kind of know what you're going to get from him and he's showing that and it feels like that is sort of filtering out so it's from the midfield you know there's that youthful more so blend now in it than experience and it just feels like that is infectious almost and has really given Liverpool an engine to to do something potentially special this season. And how pivotal an architect has Klopp been? I guess Jürgen Klopp's been fundamental to Liverpool's rebuild and I think this rebuild almost felt long overdue there was a feeling from fans for a long time that particularly last season and at the low points that something had to give and it almost feels like that's happened and you know what Jürgen Klopp and the recruitment staff have done is brought in a whole new midfield or they didn't get maybe the centre-back the fans had expected and thought that Liverpool needed but in terms of a midfield and 
everything else around than that and the attacking options and everything feels like it's there. So this is Liverpool 2.0. Now it does feel that way and it feels more different than the previous Jurgen Klopp squad. And do you feel that this is a title-challenging side? Well, we're six games in, so I'm not quite sure yet. But there have been positive signs and I do think that the more Liverpool keep on winning, obviously it's going to feed into that. But coming into the season, no one expected Liverpool to even be mentioned. So they've kind of like slipped under the radar in that way a little bit. Each individual performance is going to keep building into something bigger. And whether, you know, come November, December, Liverpool are still in and around the top of the table, then I think we can talk about it properly. But the signs are definitely there that they can do something this season. Kiva, thank you. It's going to be a great game. And if you want more on either side, check out the Tottenham View from the Lane and Liverpool walk-on pods. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Now it's raining Spanish champions Barcelona against Sevilla tonight. Barca down in third, behind familiar rivals Real Madrid in second, and Girona, who are the surprise La Liga leaders. Let's find out more about all of that with our Spanish football expert, Dermot Corrigan. Now, Barca were firing on all cylinders domestically, loads of goals. They hammered Antwerp 5-0 in the Champions League as well. Comeback victory against Celta Vigo, but then a surprising 2-2 draw against Mallorca last time out. It's not the end of the world, obviously, but you do sort of fear a touch for Sevilla, don't you? Yeah, it's been a bit of a dose of reality for, for Barca fans who a week or so ago were riding high. They'd won two games back-to-back 5-0. All the talk was Barca are back, Joe Felix, Joe Cancelo, it was all great. Bit of reality. Um, Celta, you know, we're 2-0 up at the camp now at the weekend and Barca came back to win it, but Barca hadn't played well. And then Mallorca are not a bad team, but got a two-all draw with some defensive mistakes. So Barca are, they're still trying to put together their, their team. A lot of new players joined during the summer. Sergio Busquets left, Jordi Alba left. They've had some injuries. Pedri was gone. Now De Jong is out as well. So it's, it's still early days in the season, but they've gone kind of from that peak of like, we're going to win the Champions League down to, oh crap, we're in trouble again. And the Sevilla game is a good test because Sevilla haven't had a great start to the season either. It's a big game to look forward to the weekend and a big test for Barcelona. Now, there's no Frankie de Jong until November injured in that Celta Vigo game prior to the Mallorca draw. What's the plan to keep the pot boiling whilst he's away then? Yeah, Xavi, again, with the changes in the team, it's kind of having to work out his midfield again. And he's got a lot of options because Gundogan has come in. Gavi is is there as well, looking to play a deeper role. Pedri's been out. So Xavi hasn't he hasn't had to make huge calls on, on it yet. But it looks like Gavi's going to be the guy who'll take over that De Jong role. Phenomenally talented, but maybe tactically not the most disciplined tendency to pick up yellow cards and to get caught out as well. So it's an opportunity maybe for Gavi to, to show what he can do in that role. Now, Barca can go back to the top with a win against Sevilla, but currently it is Girona who are first with Real Madrid in second and they play on Saturday. For people not familiar with the Girona story, just fill us in. Girona have been kind of hiding in plain sight a little bit, but they're owned by Citigroup. They're owned by the same people as Man City, New York City, all the other teams around the world. And bit by bit, they've been improving every season. They've got a really good, smart coach in Michel and they play Maybe tactically one of the, the most interesting teams in La Liga. They're really well organised, really well set up, zip the ball around a, a lot. Similarities maybe to Brighton, not quite as, as radical as Brighton in, in the way they play, but that type of a just well-run club, well put together, really good transfer policy, um, helped by, by the City group. They're not a flash in the pan. They're not going to win La Liga. Um, that, that's fair enough. But there's an outside bet, I think, that they could make fourth place. It's very open in, in La Liga who's going to get fourth. 
And at the minute, they're, yeah, they're flying high and, and looking like a possibility. Thanks very much, Dermot. Barcelona against Sevilla is at eight o'clock in the UK on Friday night on Via Play or La Liga TV. In the States, that's three o'clock Eastern on ESPN+. And on the same channels, the Girona-Real Madrid game, 5.30 on Saturday in the UK, that's 12.30 Eastern. Now, I'll mark your weekend viewing card properly in a moment. But just quickly, Mark Critchley, tell us why today is such a big day for footballing gamers. 29th September is a huge day in football gaming because it's the general release day for EA FC 24. That's FC 24, not FIFA 24. It's uh, the first time in 30-year history, really, that EA's title isn't carrying the FIFA branding. We're talking about one of the longest, most successful commercial partnerships in sport. When it came time to renegotiate that deal, really tough negotiations, combination of FIFA's financial demands and EA's ambitions to do things slightly differently, it meant that they went their separate ways. So this is the first game since the split. EA needed a new name. They've gone with FC, short for Football Club, of course. It's been a hugely challenging rebrand. You'll have seen the logo all over the place. Time will tell how successful a transition it is, but as it stands, it's more successful than uh, FIFA's own plans to, to release a new FIFA game with another developer, because as of yet, nothing's been confirmed regarding that. But for now, EAFC is a, is a head start. Same game, very similar game, a new name, but this all kicks off a new era in football gaming. Mark, thanks very much. So it may well be a bit of a battle for screen time this weekend. Let's pick out some of the European games that you may be able to watch if you get your way. Bundesliga tonight, Dortmund in sixth can go top if they can win at fifth place Hoffenheim. That's 7.30 in the UK on Sky, 2.30 Eastern on ESPN+. RB Leipzig against Bayern Munich, currently fourth against first, is at 5.30 on Sky on Saturday, 12.30 Eastern on ESPN Plus as well. And if City A is your bag, Atalanta against Juve, that's the pick of the weekend, Saturday 5 o'clock in the UK on TNT or Paramount Plus in the US. Saturday's Premier League action is stacked. There's eight games, the top 10 and the bottom six all play, including six 3pm UK or 10am US kickoffs. In the US, you can watch on USA Network and stream on Peacock. UK, early kickoff, 12.30 on TNT, that's 7.30 Eastern, is Villa against Brighton. And 5.30 on Sky, as mentioned, it's Tottenham against Liverpool, that's 12.30 Eastern. One game on Sunday is Forest Brentford at 2, that's 9am Eastern. And the Monday night football is Fulham Chelsea at 8 o'clock, that's 3 Eastern time. Check in on all the day's developing news and insight on The Athletic and over the weekend as well. And follow the Daily Football Briefing on your podcast app for the next edition with Tim Spears on Monday. Today's show was produced by Mike Zimmerman and Abby Patterson and Ian McIntosh was executive producer. This is Adam Leventhal signing out. I'm on the weekend preview, as always, on The Athletic Football Podcast, if you'd like to check that one out. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. The Athletic.